Hello everyone, welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin, I am the Editor-in-Chief of ThePopBreak.com, and I will be your host for this episode. I believe we're on episode 18? Um, yeah, 18 weeks of this podcast. Crazy cupcakes right there. If you've never seen that Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, change your life. I am joined... As always, reluctantly, every single week, by the managing editor of ThePopBreak.com. His name is Al Manorino. He has just opened his third eye and has slipped into the ether. How are you doing today, buddy? I am great. Isn't it Quasi Cupcakes? It's Quasi Cupcakes. It's Quasi Cupcakes. It's It's one of, I think, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that and I think the Florida episode, those are my two favorite episodes of that series of all time. Yes, the Florida. Well, it's a it's a two parter. It is a two part episode. It's, yes, man, that that's one of my like go to rewatchable. Like, uh, I mean, you can rewatch any episode from that show, but I, I love, I love that because it's like a great season finale, season opener, or season finale, and then a two part opener. Very, very good. So it's actually three, technically three episodes. It's technically, but who's counting? Because math is never um, a strong point. That's why we write um, yes. in podcasts. Well, well, before we uh, intro our guest, I wanted to introduce a new game to the podcast. It's something you, I do, I'm sure. You ready for it? So, no, it's actually, it's me. It's guess how many times Al watched Moana this week. Oh, the, it, whatever number you have is not enough. Okay, our guest, four times. our guest has not, our guest said five times. I say four. Four. It's, by the way, say, we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. So I'm counting from I'm counting like eight days. Oh, it eight days. Eight I, I would say ten. Ten. No, it's it was it was a solid eight times, um, bro. Like, you have, like full. Watched it in full. I have beaten that with the My Little Pony movie, and I didn't even <laughs> record the whole damn thing. And I've seen that uh, the Descendants. Wait till they get older. You'll binge all the shows all the time. But that's not. I'm the- excited. I know. I'm excited to get to the point where we can watch something else. Like it's Listen, hard to. You were bitching about you know, that other show. I would not. I'm not going to bitch about. It Moana. still happened. That other show still happened. But yeah, let's. It's neither here nor there. Speaking of, he is the Maui to our uh, Pua and the chicken, whose name I always forget. Hey 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 hey. Well hey hey, it's Nick Picaro. Oh my god. <laughs> he is begged. This is how I make my socially distanced debut. He is begged to be on this podcast. He's the only person who has asked us to be on this podcast. And begged, I'm joking, obviously. But the only person who has asked us, I really want to be on the podcast, Nick Porcaro. So let's get to the story of Nick Porcaro. Not only is he a senior writer of the pop, on thepopbreak.com, who, you know, when he writes, it's always chef's kiss. But he is also is the, the no, 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 no. Let me put you over. Let me put you over. Just brother, I'm putting you over before you you put yourself over. When we redid the pop break, Nick painstakingly took the time to redo the whole thing. Did an amazing job. Also has been a facilitator of people coming to this site, like former guests like Anthony Toto. Nick is an intrinsic member of this site. Again, like I said, if anyone puts anyone over any better it's this guy bill bodkin nick welcome to the podcast thank you very much for having me i want to debate your first point which is that i believe 
I was asked first, and then I was excited to be on, and then I never heard from you for several weeks. Well, and I gave segment ideas, and then you know, well, first off, I first off, way onto this as podcast. someone who's usually drunk, I do not remember the segment ideas. Secondly, so you could have. It was one. It was literally one. It was I, one topic that happened back in. I April. have no idea what that was. I'm sure it is. But Al and I, no, you asked to be on, and like if you've noticed. When we kind of had the tumult in the world, we were kind of like, we didn't even know how many weeks we were going to record, so we just kind of <laughs> stuck to some people we knew, did our own shows. That's why you're hearing new people on the show. Uh, we're trying to stick to at least one or two repeat episodes, repeat guests, I should say, and some new people. So, Nick, of course, we're happy to have you on. You, I'll never let you forget that you broke my camera one time, my wife's camera, actually, when you shot the Exponential Music Festival. But Nick, being the good brother that he is, he took care of it. Great guy. I give your wife a ton of credit because as you relayed to me, what did she say? She said, Oh, Nick Nick broke it. He's he's a good guy, he'll take care of it. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the, what he the paraphrase did. of what your wife said. And I was like, Yes, I will take care of it to the tune oh. of a decent amount of money. A woman thing to do. A woman of few words who who like Al's wife will never be on this podcast. And we'll never listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and I would like to say that, Nick, is uh, we do this on video for our own edification to make this more of a hangout. Nick has a great photo of him, I, and I, I would assume we got to get him on the podcast one day. Joe Zorzi, lead singer of Modern Chemistry, singing at the PopBreak.com's uh, five-year anniversary show at the Wonder Bar, singing, I believe, a 45-minute cover of Your Love by The Outfield. Um, that is correct. That was I was so much thinner back then. It, I was. I Me was too, like, man. Me too. Yeah. I can't say that for Al because he's always well. No, he was really skinny at one point. He looked like a twelve-year-old. But and now he's so old. That's a great set. Well, so Nick, what are you drinking tonight? How are you feeling? What's going on with you? Is that a craft mm. koozie you have, by the way? Yes. So this is a koozie from. Uh, it's like called my bomber jacket. And um, I'm trying to raise it to them on the camera, but, you know, I it have says virtual craft beer. beer instead of craft macaroni. Yes, it's the craft macaroni and cheese design, but it says craft beer because I'm a snob. Uh, but, yeah, I'm drinking an Alma Gang uh, rainbow. What is it? Rainbow? Neon rainbows? Rainbow haze? Yeah, neon rainbows. It's a hazy IPA. It's OK. I mean, Alma Gang, you know, they don't make bad beer. So And uh, when yeah. we did have concerts, which we will be talking about shortly. They used to host some pretty great bands. Al, what are you drinking tonight? Take yourself off mute if you have. Um, I'm going back to where it all started. Oh, and God. going back to the blueberry uh, some, wine. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is my favorite wine of all time. It's the Old York Cellars Peach Wine, which you also can't see because we have uh, funny backgrounds on our uh, camera. Also, right audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I said you, I mean the two people on the podcast. Oh, okay. I honestly forget that actual people listen to this. Do they? Yeah, like twenty. It's a very small number. It's where where I put out a, a little a little hey. Well, I think a lot of people podcast listening. You know, as the host of a podcast, you know, people we are. I think everyone's just a little behind right now because I've seen the numbers and I see like you know there's some big days we have for some old episodes because. People playing catch up. Everyone's still stuck inside, you know. So we're getting there. Also, want to put over Nick a little bit more. He's not just you know been a writer for thepopbreak.com. He has also been you've if you followed us at any time over the last ten years, has performed 
on uh, some pop break shows with uh, playing uh, guitar uh, for Matt Skateri and the Jive Stewards. Um, I was the reason he ended up in the hospital because of one of his shows because he ripped an intercostal muscle lifting a speaker, <laughs> which I still feel really terrible to about. be fair in your defense i had already felt it in the morning before i even got back to manalpin when i was bringing my gear into my sister's car and she picked me up so it was it was a burgeoning issue that i mean yes you absolutely exacerbated oh, I totally exacerbated it but it, and it, so i do owe you there. many beers so for <laughs> those people who don't know about two years ago roughly around this time uh, we did a show at the Anchors Bend, now renamed the the Seahorse, which just happened. Uh, not a huge fan of that name. Uh, and we did an outdoor show. At the last second, we were told, "Hey, BT Dubs, we don't. You have to supply your own sound system." So I had to go out and rent, at quite the expense to myself, a PA system that Nick and uh, another guy named Nick uh, from the band uh, the Morgan Freemasons uh, basically set up. So, uh, thank you again for that. And I literally went. Out, I literally got drunk, got sober, took everything back, returned everything, and then went on vacation the next day. Uh, good times, great memories. We'll never do that show again because I'm not spending that type of money. And that brings us, Al, and I hope you're recording the times, to our first segment of the podcast. Seriously, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? And how does any of that tie together in the worst segue in the history of podcasts? Well, probably not the worst. We've done a lot worse on this podcast. Is because we're talking about live music. We're talking about it relates to Asbury Park and all of the country. Uh, Recently, in an article on NME, the co-founder of Lollapalooza, uh, um, Mark Geiger, uh, Lollapalooza is also produces and runs the see here now the same company c3 presents runs the see here now music festival so that's how that all ties in he went on a podcast and he said i do not believe in my humble opinion that concerts will return now this is something we talked about uh, a few months ago with uh, nick's really good friend childhood friend i should say anthony toto he got me the shirt yep that i'm wearing He's that wearing the listener new world see. order Wolfpack t-shirt throw it up for that um these concerts and festivals will not return till 2022. And he is saying, why? And he's saying, it's my instinct that going that's going to take a while because super spreader, spreader events like sports, shows, and festivals aren't going to do well when this virus is present. He said there's at least 20 hurdles that live music, not just festivals, live music still needs to overcome before it can return including spacing and density and infinite liability that concert and festival organizers have to face. So guys, about three months ago, and Al, when we talked to Anthony Toto, when we were in the single digits of this podcast, we were talking 2021, fall 2021. Now we're looking at the year after. In regards to not just festivals, but venues, can, like, and this is such a huge question to hit you with right off the bat, but 
can this music industry, which is thriving and surviving off or prior to this off of live events, how is this going to impact the music industry if we're not going to see events possibly two years from now, from like July of 2020? I guess we'll go to me first, but I said Al, just, so yes, because oh, you I, did I, I wanted to give Nick a, a second to think. Yeah, no, give uh, Nick a second. So we play. talked about we talked about like the current state of the mu- music industry when we had Toto on, and I think too, when we had Ben on too. Um, we, meant, we talked we, a little bit about with Ben, yeah, and Laura we talk- because we talked about drive the driving concerts, which I'm yes. going to bring up to both of you uh, recently because uh, in a few minutes because. We have seen a few, at least in the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we talked about that like a lot, and in, in, uh, over on this podcast, because you know, obviously, I'm, I'm, I shoot concerts, and we cover so many concerts um, and just live events in general for the pop break that it's it's a big part of our industry as well, and not just as fans, but as you know, as you know, writers and journalists. So we talked about what people should be doing now, right? These like at home gigs, things like that. The future of live music, if live music isn't available until 2021, going to a concert, uh, tailgating and, you know, uh, actually experiencing it in person. If that's not around, then they're going to have to change the game to, for the music industry to survive. I brought up, one example would be um, have a different artist come to a different venue to uh, raise money for that venue, like Post Malone did uh, for uh, with the, their Nirvana tribute. He he raised a ton of money for like one specific charity. I would have an artist come to a venue. So example, Springsteen comes to the Stone Pony to do a like paper pay per view event just to benefit the venue itself so they can keep the lights on for another six months, things like that. In terms of personal gain for an artist, it's going to be giving people like a Patreon level experience with different tiers and, you know, uh, limited pressings, autograph memorabilia, one-on-one Skype conversations, things like that. Only way that the the artist will survive is is offering those opportunities because they're not going to be able to sell out uh, the Pony or Madison Square Garden because it's not going to happen. It's just there's there's no one to be there. Uh, no one's allowed in. So you have to come up with creative solutions to, you know, to stay afloat or to thrive. I, I know people that will find a way to thrive through this. I know smaller artists that are already have taken advantage of things like Patreon um, and, 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 you know, Steel Panther is doing their second like live concert from home thing, like things like that. They're, they're finding ways to do it though. But I, I, I'm very scared for venues artists. I think if they're smart and have the resources to succeed, Nick, your thoughts. I'm absolutely with Al on this. Uh, my thought as Al was talking was, you know, this may be a little idealized. I'm not as privy necessarily to the financial workings of things, even though I know a lot of working musicians, but I think uh, the more that artists get used to relying on themselves and only themselves and not relying on a specific system, whether it's, you know, how 
everything was about record sales and then everything was about live music and everything's about merch. I mean, well, merch is a different thing because at least that the artists can control that. But the more that they are the product from start to finish, like Al was saying with things like, you know, Patreons and, and uh, different tier levels and things like that, that's how they're going to be able to survive because they're controlling the whole revenue stream. They're not relying on, you know, having to get somewhere, having to, to be able to hire a whole crew, having to worry about live sound. The operation's a lot smaller. I'm already seeing, you know, one of my favorite bands, Spirit Box. Uh, they're, they're a metal band from Canada. They're, they've started to emerge in popularity uh, only a couple of years ago. They launched their Patreon a few months ago. And I'm a subscriber, and it didn't take me very long to make that decision. They were supposed to have their first U.S. tour this year, uh, and that got thrown down the drain real fast. And just as they were getting all this buzz, and I was super excited to be able to see them, you know, that their plans were, were quashed. And that's a huge, that would have been a huge part of their growth. So they, being very savvy, realizing they have a passionate, a small but passionate fan base, they're like, all right, guys, we're launching a Patreon. Depending on the tier, you'll get handwritten lyric sheets posted you'll get rehearsal footage you'll get they do their own little podcast with different people in the music industry friends of theirs um they post instrumental versions so that you can like and, and playthroughs so that you can learn the parts of the songs it's really smart it, it's got to be and it's not necessarily going to work for everyone but it's it's got to be in the artist's control the artist has to kind of make their own destiny and it's very tough when you also have to figure out how to make a, a livable wage but I'm, I'm with Al in that I think artists can figure this out. The venues, I think, are a lot worse off because they need people. They need people together in a room, and we can't do that right now. I'm going to get into venues in a second. So, Nick, I, I mentioned you were in a band, and uh, you are in a band, I should say. Mm-hmm. The one interesting thing I want to get a perspective from a, an actual musician who has played gigs is how does the local independent band, how do they rise? How do they rise not to the occasion of, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but how do they grow their audience? Because a lot of bands that we've seen, like, um, for example, a band who played a pop break uh, Christmas show, Deal Casino, one of their big things was they went out and toured and toured and toured and toured Mm -hmm. And then they gain, they had this following and they're like, okay, we're going to feed you guys with stuff, like with EPs, with live stuff on Instagram. So they built that audience. But how are you, if you're in a newer band or a band that's more localized, how do you figure out how to work and grow your, I hate using this, this word sometimes, but how do you grow your brand and how mm-hmm. do you grow your, grow your band, sorry for the rhyme, in a time like this? I can't personally answer that question super accurately because the bands I'm in are not, you know, trying to be full-time efforts. It's something that we do for fun, but I can give you a perspective from, again, a lot of friends I have. Um, I'm very ingrained now into the Hudson County music scene. So primarily Jersey city and Hoboken, um, which is, uh, you have told me a number of times is rebooming as they would say. Or yeah, literally, I would just say it, it's got its ups and downs. I mean, unfortunately, we had one of the, the brighter venues, FM, closed uh, at the start of February. But, you know, 
we have lots of local restaurants and bars that book people. And then, of course, we have White Eagle Hall for larger shows, kind of like our Starland in a way, um, but a little smaller. Uh, but what I'm seeing my friends do is they're really leaning on each other. Um, and they're leaning on new people, too. They're, they're going out of the scene. They're looking for promoters and artists and patrons that are organizing things and they're making connections and they're, they're a part of these things. And a lot of that is live streaming. You know, you'll have a tip jar, you'll have your Venmo account listed or your cash app. Um, and people will do anywhere from 30 minute to an hour to two hour streams, you know, every couple of days. I've seen so many of my friends for so many months, uh, through watching them on stream. And depending on how you present it, if it's something you're doing live, it's obviously a lot trickier to engage. But uh, I actually do want to specifically shout out uh, an organization. So my friend runs something called The Latest Noise in Hoboken, Jersey City area. And he works with a lot of artists and does workshops and uh, promotes and runs his own shows. And they um, work with other people to do this songwriter uh meet up every other Tuesday that would used to be in person called wine and song. And now they're doing wine and song online. So the way they do that is any artist who's interested, who signs up, uh, they have like a theme each time and for, for the songs you perform and the covers you perform and people submit their videos and they have someone edit the videos together. And then we all watch it on a stream and we're all in the chat talking about each other's music Someone promoted their album Kickstarter or GoFundMe. I forget what it was. Uh, and so that's that's a way that the community is kind of knit together. But then, as I mentioned earlier, these artists are also reaching out to other promoters that they may not have worked with before who are doing who are booking virtually booking artists for regular slots on their Facebook pages. Uh, a lot of it has been, at least from what I've seen, has been on Facebook, not as much on other platforms, just because Facebook has that infrastructure for long for like longer streaming you know they have the facebook watch that whole stuff sure. um so that's that's kind of how i can relate to it or or the information i can give you guys what what is tougher is when you're a musician who makes a living on being a utility player that's really tough because i you know one of my best friends is an amazing musician uh, max feinstein and he was also doing live sound work, and he was supposed to start at a theater off Broadway right as this hit. He lost that source of income. So he's got to hustle to find other ways to, to continue to, to do business. Sure. So it's, it really depends on where, what pe where people are coming from. Yeah, I mean, we, we work with Asbury Audio, uh, a woman by the name of Mella. She's been a great ally of the site, great ally to us when we do live shows, and they're contracted to do all the stuff in Asbury Park, and there's nothing. Yep. So for all those people, I mean, those I think those are the forgotten. They're forgotten. I don't want to say victims, but they're being, I think they're they're forgotten people. It's the sound people. It's the stagehands. Mm -hmm. It's the bartenders. Yep. It's the yep. the runners. Those are the the security guards who are really losing out here. And um, something you had one of you guys had brought up before was about venues and. Um, Kat Manos, our music editor and slash unofficial third guest, third host, I should say, 
um, <laughs> brought up an article that was put in Variety about the Satellite Club in L.A., which is a part of a trio uh, called the Echoplex out in Silver Lake, the very hipster section of Los Angeles. <laughs> Shout out to my friend Russ, who's brought the Allison to this podcast, um, who lives in that area. How they basically have stopped booking live music and have to like basically redo their whole venue as a bar and restaurant in order to make money. And that a lot yep. of and he and the owner was quoted in this this variety article saying that a lot of independent venues probably aren't going to make it through this. That the Live Nation and uh, Golden Voice AEG slash stuff uh, Bowery presents companies uh, uh, owned venues will, will will be okay, which I mm-hmm. personally doubt because. Uh, corporations, you know, when they see a loot and when a, a place is loosened out, they're going to shut a place down. So doesn't matter what it means. Yeah, I, I can't see a Stone Pony, which since we're recording this in New Jersey, closing down due to its legendary name value. But other places they own, maybe. Uh, Nick, what do you what do you think about that independent? I mean, like for the independent video, like for example, the Saint had, had to do a fundraiser. Back in March, just to keep the doors open, raised fifty grand. But if they don't have any more shows, I mean, how much is that? How long is that until twenty twenty two? How long is that fifty grand going to last? I think you're one hundred percent right. You know, it's it's harsh to say, but it's absolutely true. If if you don't have a model of business that can continue to bring in some sort of activity during this, I don't see how you can survive without a huge. Uh, Fun, you know, huge, huge amount of funding, a funding source. Uh, speaking again to where I live, you know, Hudson County, a lot of local music is played at bars and restaurants. Uh, one of my favorite venues to play and to go to is called Finnegan's, and Finnegan's Any place is an Irish pub. It's all good by me. With a with a really small stage, but with a really passionate staff and an amazing owner who supports local music, and they had shows. Every Friday and Saturday, uh, sometimes weekdays, they would have open mic on Sunday. Um, and now they're they're back open doing outdoor seating. A lot of these places, of course, in a place like Hoboken, you don't have much room for outdoor seating, but you can seat a few people. And they have, to their credit, I love that they're doing this, they have solo artists performing. So there are artists already getting gigs in Hoboken. It's not full bands. It's not as often. I don't know what the pay situation is, but they're trying to do as much as they can with the hand they've been dealt. There are other venues that, uh, say, might have a little bit more space in like a backyard kind of situation. And so they'll open that to limited capacity. And I've seen some places do streams. So you can go there and have dinner and watch some music, but you can also watch it from the comfort of your home. And they still promote, you know, all the different organizations and bands that are doing this and try to get everyone attention and support. So coming from an urban area is really different than thinking about what venues in kind of the the middle of the state or the middle of the country are going to do. I think it's a lot harder for places that don't have that kind of metropolitan trapping, although it is very expensive to run a business in a metropolitan area. It's a really complicated issue. <laughs> um, Alphonse, I mean, we've already spoken about this, uh, or you know, you've, you've spoken about this before, about the independent venues. But, you know, given the update uh, from a few months ago, 
do you see independent do we see like i hate to use this word but i i can't really think of another one the culling of of independent venues that we're going to see places if you're not owned by the big three we're going to see a lot of these places close down and even then there's no guarantee do you think there's even a guarantee that they stay open no, there's there's definitely no guarantees. I mean, I, you know, I I said it before. I said it before that I think unless they the independent venues do something creative or get help from you know artists who have made it big that came up from that venue and are you know willing to get support from them in some way, I don't see them surviving this because they have no way to generate revenue in any you know any in any way unless they have maybe an outdoor section like the pony has that outdoor yep. element he's they have the summer stage right mm-hmm. so like maybe they can do some sort of like drive up approach take down those take down the fence uh and you know people can watch from the beach you know socially distant some, something uh to that effect where they can still have some sort of live concert experience for people if you're a small venue in the city and you don't have, you know, f- food or, you know, alcohol pickup service or outdoor dining, it's going to be a tough road if you don't have uh, any, uh, you know, private concerts from big, big stars that are going to generate revenue to save your business cause, or, or uh, you know, a second wave of uh, PPP loans. It's it's going to be tough. 2021, uh, 2022, if, if we're talking about that, that's that's a long ways away for a business to, to not have any customers. I think the 2022 thing is an important distinction that this is coming from, you know, someone who runs a festival like Lollapalooza, because I think some of these local venues, depending on their model, if they can sell food and drinks have a better chance than the midsize models. And then the large arenas have huge corporate backing. So it's kind of that in between where like, if you're a really small but respected establishment, as long as you can provide a service outside of live music during this time, hopefully you can get through. If you're a big arena, you've got huge corporations backing you. But if you're a mid-sized venue, that's where it gets scary. Yeah, because I look at stuff like the sink. And uh, listen, this is not casting aspersions. This is not saying they're going to go to that business. I look at The Saint. I look at House of Independence. Neither one of which, local Jersey Shore, Asbury Park, hottest music scene in New Jersey right now, they're not backed by Live Nation. So, and they don't have restaurant service. So, like, you know, how do they continue to go? I mean, sure, they could socially distance a show, but I mean... Is that enough to justify even opening the doors? That's going to be the problem. Like, I know the, the Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey, reopened. Concert Venue has done, like, a lot of Brian Fallon shows. They do they do a couple national shows per year. Um, but they have outdoor dining. Like, they have a restaurant. Not a lot of places have that same opportunity. So I think, like, it's going to be super hard. And you look at places even in North Jersey, like the Wellmont Theater... Maybe they can social distance stuff, but a GA place like White Eagle, yeah, how are they going to GA stuff? White Eagle had a they had a great 2019. Mm-hmm. Not only with concerts, you had the wrestling there. They had like sellouts constantly. They yep. did really well. Yes, they are. I guess quasi. I think they're quasi 
you know, an AEG type house. But at the same time, it's like, if they're not full time, because AEG does have some, I just spilled stuff all over my pants. Um, <laughs> if AEG is not there full time, it just like has like a booking, like a temp, uh, like a booking contract, which I've seen at some places. They don't have the independent, they don't have the funds for that. Yeah. It's very tough. Like I could, so we saw the proliferation of, it'll be my last question to both of you guys as I try and, well, there is no saving these shorts at this point. It is. They are soaked <laughs> with Coke Zero and whiskey. But, hey, such is life in the world of Bill That's Bodger. the name of your autobiography, Soaked in Coke Zero and Whiskey. Yeah, I mean, factually correct. Um, <laughs> we look at music festivals, uh, the proliferation of them over the past decade since Pop Rex started. I mean, we were there. Well, okay, I was there, I should say when Governor's Ball was a one-day event on Governor's Island and you're racing back and forth between stages and getting free beers and, you know what I mean, to the massive, you know, corporate undertaking it is today. Do you think that this 2022 date is the death knell of many a music festival and we're going to go back to, like, instead of, like, the multi-day fest, like, literally every weekend, six a weekend sometimes... Are we going to see a lot of those go by the wayside, or do you think that those type of events will have legs that propel them past this 2022 deadline? Nick, I'm going to start with you. I don't have a lot to say on that front. I Any thoughts or predictions I had about this have been you know, incredibly wrong. I thought people would be better at following the guidelines. I was wrong oh. about that. I thought this was going to be over sooner. I was wrong about that. Well, what I you're saying all... is you thought people wouldn't be fucking dicks. Yeah, and they would actually wear a mask Why would and I be, be responsible and care about their fellow human being. Because, Nick, you are actually a moral person as opposed to many of <laughs> people who feel like masks are a fucking conspiracy because they're a bunch of assholes. And that's not alcohol talking. That's just me wanting to say this for a very long time to the audience yes. that listens to us. Because well, Al and I both get kind of political on this podcast. At times. No, I don't blame you. That is an important point that needs to be made. Uh, but anyway, what I, what I wanted to say yeah. was that it really – it just all depends on the science. It, and it depends on how soon we have uh, treatments that are reliable, that are safe. Uh, otherwise, you really can't predict anything. You can – that's why it's about pivoting. It's about changing your model. It's about finding a model where you can actually make some kind of money, you know, even if it's not a huge profit, if it at least keeps you afloat. You cannot count on a specific date and time. You can't say, all right, we're going to be out of this by February 2021. And then we'll be running shows. So if we have enough to get to February 2021, great. It's not how this works. It really sucks. But it, it, is, it is a total rethinking of how people do business. So what you're saying, it's like John Moxley. It's like a paradigm shift. <laughs> you're outnumbered, Al. Yeah, it's a wrestling reference. Um, Al, what do you think? N- yeah, Nick, Nick nailed it. It's It's... It, it, it's a uh, adapt or die 
because I have to make a Moneyball reference every few episodes. Oh. <laughs> By the way, I played I played this card game recently where it was basically just uh, you have to guess a movie by emojis. Yeah, and it was Moneyball. It was like baseball, dollar, and it was like Moneyball. Don't Moneyball, even, baby. Don't even test me. We need yeah, to do a I Moneyball mean, podcast one day. I need to watch that movie, dude. You never, am... have you never seen that? You never seen Moneyball? Okay. Oh. No, no, no. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. Okay, so I'm not going to oversell this to you, but I think you would enjoy it. I think I would too. I think I'm gonna. It. I'm gonna oversell it. it Listen is, to me more than it, Al. <laughs> it is the best sports movie of all time. Okay. Listen to I me. I don't care about more sports movies, so I care if it's a good movie, which I hear it is. Yeah, so you don't have to tell me it's the best it's sports. You actually, you I actually don't, don't need to. You right, don't. So you don't. You don't need no, no. Sports. Like you don't need to like sports to enjoy Moneyball. That, that is across the board, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's good because they said the, the job I had before this job, which I've been at this company for six years, but the job I had before this was at a sports startup, and they told me, you don't need to enjoy sports to enjoy this job, and that was why. So I'm glad. <laughs> Al and I worked in politics, and we were told, we don't need to know politics in order to do well at this job. Obviously, neither Al nor I lasted very long at that job. Not, not long at all. Um you also get a pre-Guardians uh, Chris Pratt acting performance. You get a little bit of a – you get more of a dad vibe Chris Pratt. In that you one. you oh. get an Andy Dwyer Chris, Chris Pratt. Yes. You get – no, no, no. You get a – you get a uh, – Andy Dwyer physically. Y- yeah, because he's – this is like right around the same year that he also is getting like a little jacked for Zero, Zero Dark Thirty. Which was another yeah. oh, yes. question that came. So, so he's he's. I was gonna say he's getting like uh, thicker, right? But he's not he's not thinning out like when he did for uh, for Guardians. And, uh, gets, and you get cut. I will I will address this question um, that I think there will be a number of music festivals because we have seen some already. I know some of the UK have already shut down and got out of business. I think we had a a, a super saturation of multi day. Um, outdoor music festivals in the spring, summer, and fall. And I think we are going to see some of those definitely go out of business because there were some that were hanging by a thread as is. We already saw this happen with Panorama in New York City, uh, which um, I have a little inside reference from because when you drink at certain bars in my town where I live, some of those bartenders (laughs) actually go work those events and Mm -hmm. say how much money they didn't make. Um, so yeah, so there are some events I don't think you'll see come back. I don't think, and I think some will just quietly fade into the ether. Second ether reference I've made this, in this podcast, because you're a really big Nas fan, aren't you? Uh, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I do enjoy some (laughs) Nas. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to think of some Nas songs. I'm like, just don't do it. Um, and it was like, mansion. I like the one that was in the departed. That was a good one. Uh, the Thieves theme. That's a good one. It was also used in wrestling for the wrestler Homicide. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I think you will see some definitely um, quietly not show up again in 2022. But again, like Nick said, and very smartly so, that it all depends on the vaccines. It all depends on the progress, especially in the United States. And right now, yeah, if you look at the model, if you look at the infection rate, we talked like last episode about Disney reopening in Florida when you have you know fifteen thousand cases like the day before. 
we're not doing well. I don't care what anyone wants to say. Like when you talk percentages and numbers, we're not doing well in this country. And it, it, it will be till 2022. And I think people really need to, to realize that and wear masks and, you know, stop being assholes. I literally passed a water park with my daughter on Sunday. We were in our, my car where there were probably about 100 people online with about one out of every 20 people wearing masks and people on top of each other. It was really sad. Yeah. And that is a microcosm of what's happening in this country. Mm-hmm. So I think you will see festivals happening in Europe, in Asia, and Australia, and New Zealand. When they curb it. Yeah, yeah where curb it. New Zealand, I mean, our film editor, Marissa Carpico, her parents live in New Zealand. She was telling me in like April, May, like it was pretty much nothing. So until we start getting to that, we're not we're not going to get nice things because we, uh, you know, frankly, we don't deserve it because we're not doing a very good job with this with the virus right now. So it's gonna you're going to see a lot of hardship happen because of this. So mm-hmm. we're gonna put that one to bed. Let's get into something positive for once let's get into a slice of fried gold how's that for a slice of fried gold yeah boy and this slice of fried gold i have to uh put this person on blast who picked this was al has picked the majority for this episode he did a great job uh you know you're not my one of my best friends for one of the for that reason alone and you know what happy wedding anniversary you had Thank a, you so much. Hey, you, congratulations. You had a great, you had like one of the best efficients of all time. Spoiler alert, that was me. Yeah. Uh, and last minute Craigslist pick. Uh, Bill cost you <laughs> Also cost you absolutely no money because I gave it back to you. And That's I set true. up the venue. Um, yeah. What? In this oh, week's edition of brother. Bill puts himself over. Oh, no, remember wait. when the, the, no. chair, the chairs didn't get set up? Oh. Oh, oh, I thought you I, – sorry. Let's try this again. I thought you said you, like, set us up for the venue. Like, oh, no. Oh so there – so exception. Uh, I will not name that company because it was a huge kerfuffle. But when I arrived to Al's wedding, it was an outdoor wedding in, like, 150 degrees uh, on Long Beach Island in front of a, a lighthouse. And yep. there was a very sweaty young man who was very out of shape who had set up two chairs – and it was 30 minutes before the wedding. I grabbed every dude there and I was like, we need to make this wedding happen. <laughs> That's insane. Yep. Good times and great memories. And now they have a child and miles to talk to Al on his wedding anniversary. How many years now? of gold. <laughs> uh, uh, three year wedding anniversary. It, it flew by oh, like crazy. I know. It feels like 10 years ago. Yeah. But Al's work paid off this week because this slice of fried gold is a movie called The Gray Man. And no, it is not a biopic about me. It is uh, directed by the Russo brothers, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Uh, and it is basically a spy thriller where uh, it's a, described as a deadly duel between killers Gentry Gosling is as he is hunted across the globe by Lloyd Hansen, a terrible name, Chris, Heaven, Chris Evans, a former cohort of Gentry's at the CIA. This will be released on Netflix. It was originally a Brad Pitt vehicle, 
And supposedly they're looking, it's directed by the Russo brothers, obviously the directors behind one of my favorite MCU movies, Captain America, the, the Winter Soldier, as well as Endgame and Infinity, and Infinity War. Uh, it's described as a James Bond level budget of $200 million. And uh, they're looking to hope to make a franchise out of this. Um, so, Nick, I'm going to start with you since you're our esteemed guest. On paper, everything I've just described, take the budget out of, uh, out of the equation for a second. Goslin, Evans, Russo Brothers, Spy Movie, Netflix. Are you in? Oh, I'm in. Of course. I'm 100% in. Uh, I love Gosling. I love Chris Evans. The whole Marvel guys. Um, obviously, the Russo brothers did a fantastic job. I do have one qualm. I'm going to bring it up bring because it. it is in this article. I think it is fair game. Um, there was a line in here. I can't currently find it, but there's a line about how they want to base this franchise around Gosling. They want it to be a franchise and they want to base it around Ryan Gosling. Yes. Why would you say that when the plot summary is about two characters hunting each other down? That is, Why would you disclose that information this early? That Where's is, the suspense? That is true. This article is on <laughs> comingsoon.net, and the the line is, the, uh, the idea is to create a franchise and build a whole universe around it with Ryan at the center of it. Nick, you bring up a very salient and no shit uh, point is why would you fucking spoil this when it's basically a cat and mouse thriller about two people about him, the Gosling character, being hunted? <laughs> Al, I'm going to ask you, are you in? I mean, I already fucking know this because you brought the article up. But what do you think about Nick's point of that part in the press release? I mean, I'm obviously in. I mean, the Russo brothers have made some of my favorite films of all time, and, and some Ryan, of the films I've Ryan, some of the films I've rewatched a million times. Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling is, is in the Nice Guys, which you I still haven't watched. You've recommended a hundred times. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Listen, I need I'll to talk, watch that too. This podcast could just be about Moneyball and the Nice Guys and how they're the two most undervalued movies in all of baseball. But what then it have to be called. The Al Manorino podcast, and it's not yeah, called the Al. It's not. Wait, it's not called that. What was the movie we said we were going to watch? Uh, we for like our twenty fifth episode. What was the movie we said we're going to? Oh, we're not. Wait, we're, we're, so Nick, I don't know if you if you if you heard the last episode, we were talking oh. about. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but did you know that there was like this like failed Warner Brothers TV show? I think it was Warner Brothers or like the or uh, the oh WB. yes, that's it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was called Point Pleasant, and it was like. A show that was centered in Point Pleasant, but not actually filmed in Point Pleasant. Yeah, it was like, like, oh like, my god! It's like a like Roswell esque yep. show. So you said failed. I thought that meant it never aired. It did it, air. It was it on aired. Fox. It wasn't yeah, on it, it, no, it was but on like Fox. it, 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 it so, tanked. Quickly. So we decided that the 25th episode of the podcast, we're going to do a uh, an audio commentary on the pilot of, of oh, Point Pleasant. That's right. Because, it's totally happening. Because no one asked for it. But no us. one did. Yeah. Moneyball uh, might be episode 100, by the way. Oh, 100%. This is basically going to just turn into, uh, what's it called? The uh, the Ringers podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, of the Watchables. It's basically oh, yeah. 
Rewatchable. Rewatchable. I mean, it's a great we haven't we haven't based when Matt Kelly was our aka famous former fat magic editor Nando V movies who you brought in yes. uh it's not basically we we we've based so much off the ringer it's ridiculous on the site <laughs> but yeah, not, yeah, neither here nor there at this point um no I'm I'm totally in for this movie the the Russos can do no wrong Gosling and Evans are amazing produce new They're, girl or would they produce new girl happy endings Ooh, good question. Because I actually was talking about my talking to my sister about that today. I've never watched Happy Endings, but I saw uh, Latoya Ferguson, who's great. She's been on some of the Ringer podcasts and written for a lot of sites. She, she's excellent. Uh, retweeted. Uh, they're doing a Happy Endings like, today. Union, yeah. And then I looked it up because I didn't know. I was like, oh, maybe my sister watched this show, and she didn't. But um, you, I think, Russo's were executive producers on Happy Endings. Yeah, it's hey. a, a sidebar. Yeah. Happy Endings is a great show that changed tones and storyline mid to late first season and became an amazing comedy afterwards. Well, I'm really excited to dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, Parks and Rec did, did the same thing. I, I would even say Brooklyn Nine Nine did. Like it, it started oh, totally. off as one thing and totally changes. And New Girl too. You yeah, can say New, New Girl. New Girl as well. did definitely did. If New, you look New at Girl, Nick, Nick Miller and Winston in season one compared to season two. Oh yeah, I mean New Girl outgrew its title within like six episodes. Um, yeah, but going back to this, which is you know the the, the our actual uh, slice of fried gold, which I think is the first time we didn't do a. I was going to say, is this the first time we did one that wasn't a video or video related? Yes, it, de- it absolutely is. It is. Um, but no, I, I think because we wanted to save the, the slice of fried gold, which was also not video related, but it's fucking and awesome. I can tell my story about <laughs> look, that. Look, little sneak preview. Um, I can tell my story no, this, about this meeting is, the star of that. This is super smart for, uh, for Netflix because – what, what we have seen over even just the last year, they're getting crazy star power to come and do these like almost one-off movies and just do crazy numbers for them. We've just seen it with the old. We just seen it with the old guard with uh, Charlie Theron. Right before that was uh, right during like in the like the second week of quarantine, we had uh, Extraction with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Which I feel like was also produced by the Russo brothers, but I could be wrong. Darren, I I want to say it was I, someone within that MCU definitely. I I want to say Russo brothers, but someone within the MCU definitely produced that. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like Netflix, like they they have it down pat. Like, you know, we we didn't even discuss on the podcast that they uh, canceled uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is going to air. Ozark was not canceled. They announced that. Oh. Fourth and final season. I'm if you look, that okay, Netflix, so I'd like to say like a lot of sites are saying it was canceled. So hot no, take, no stop being clickbait, you dumb motherfuckers. Yes. It was ending. Yeah. No, so Netflix, like their new model, like going forward, is like four seasons and you're done, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. They we'll see what figured out things. like I'm guessing that they figured out the algorithm that like quality drops after season four. So they're like, yeah, let's just knock it out in four and uh, go our separate ways and come up, come back with this, with a new show. Right. Like there are stranger things can be done. Ozark's going to be done. Uh, They, you know, again, they just said, uh, I just said Sabrina. That's their new model. 
So their new model for movies is let's get the biggest talent ever. We'll give them – we'll throw all the money in the world. If they do one mo- movie, great. If it spawns a franchise, great. But we're going to do a couple sequels and we're out of here. Move on to the next thing. I Does think- Netflix have any film franchises aside from To All the Boys? Uh, no. N- no. 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 And they're going to get – Oh, no, no, no. They have that – oh, it's so cheesy too. It's like something like The Christmas Prince or The Danish Prince or something yes. like that. Oh, yes. God, yeah. But yes. those do – Holy again, shit. That does really good numbers for them. They did crazy numbers for that because, again, it's smart. It's a Hallmark-type movie with Cheap higher quality, better writing – and this is just based off reviews I've read because I was trying to see if my mom wanted to watch it. And, oh. and and it's just like they knew what to do. And you release it right around Christmas time, which is that sweet spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that one did really well for them. And the, all, the boy, all the boys, the second film, is uh, not as critically or fan appreciated yeah. as the others. But, um, dude, it's like Russo, Evans, Gosling – that one will probably smash all the numbers that Old Guard and Bird Box and Bright and all those did. Because yeah. you have so much cachet going into that. And Evans is just – you know, we all talk about Evans with Captain America. But Evans, man, like when he did Knives Out, he his beard oh, and his sweater oh, – really? I still haven't watched it. I'm sorry, Al. Is, I have to get – no, no, no. no, no, no Nick, so here's the thing. On, get my. If wife. I'm outraged that you haven't seen a movie, you're doing something wrong. Well, yeah. well first of all, Bill always does something wrong. Is sure. that <laughs> it's about, it, is being a parent of a five year old who does not go to sleep till late, convincing a wife to be like, "Hey, we should watch a two and a half hour movie." It is not always easy. So, and I should. I basically I'm going to end up watching it on my own. Um. um no, Chris, Chris, Chris Evans be, is becoming like, and this is going to sound, uh, you know, hot take right here. Chris <laughs> Evans is becoming like, like when I say our generation, I mean like millennial and 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 uh, you know, and Gen Z, like our generation's Tom Hanks, like can do no wrong in our eyes. Is he hasn't a little done more, he, as much? Not oh, oh, he, he has a lot more. He has not done. A lot, but he has also done a lot. It's, he, it's, he, it's, he's it's done strange. a lot in the like, same role. He's, he's done a lot in the same role, but, but he rebounded. He's been, us, he's been with us for so long, like, and we just don't appreciate that. Like, come on, yeah. like, not another team movie. Let's go. Yeah, let's. But you also remember fuck. he Shit. rebounded beautifully. Yeah, from really shitty Fantastic Four movies. That's right. Then he was in that one with Anna Faris. I can't remember. Like, what's your number? Is that was that? Oh, 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 yeah, I know what you're talking about. He, if watch, go back and watch that movie. As dumb as that, like four different superhero friends. To be fair, what's your number was after Scott Pilgrim, right? Scott Pilgrim, great in Scott Pilgrim. He was great in What's Your Number. He he's done a lot of quality that a lot of people are like, eh, he's just Captain America. No, he's done a lot. Yeah. He's done a lot of other stuff. We just know him as Captain America and, you know, washboard abs. And he had, as we just said on TV Break, which you could find on the Pop Break TV uh, feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places. Um, and Anchor. Solid plug. And you know, sometimes I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, he did that really bad Apple Plus uh, series, Defending Jacob. But then again, 
most things on Apple Plus. Exactly, Nick. Just making a face like I've never heard of that. Exactly. Yeah. Apple Plus has done a really bad job with literally everything. They have a Tom Hanks World War II film on there. Exactly. Nick's like, Burr? like a Tim yeah. Allen and Home Improvement. I'm Tim Allen and Home Improvement. From 1995. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm going to watch that because I have a screener for it. Oh, Greyhound? Yeah, Greyhound. Mm-hmm. No one knows it's that. It's not out yet, though. How do you know it's bad? It, it's out. It came no, out. It's out. It's out. And oh, critically, bad. it has gotten um, uh, slapped across the face with bad reviews. But you yes. know who's a sucker for World War One or two movies? This guy, Bill Bodkin, who's going to watch it and probably yeah. hate it. Uh, it's but, 79 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not that bad. I Here's, here's the thing, I, Bill. I'm sorry to, 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 no, no, to no, comment no, no. Please, you, but please we're, steer we're, talking F, we're talking Netflix. We're talking big budget movies. Exactly. This is going to obviously be a huge, huge movie. We haven't seen the Netflix like superhero no, uh, tentpole films yet, right? And I feel that with they have a great opportunity with with the the Mark Millar world that they oh, they purchased they really all the Mark do. Millar properties. Um, they have uh, in production now currently a, a, a Jupiter's Legacy series with Josh Dumal. I believe is one of the big stars of it. I know. I forgot but, all about Josh Dumal. I know. So did everyone else. The, um, well, he'll be the, in the Mandalorian season two. That's true. The big no, you're whoa, whoa. No, am whoa. I thinking of Timothy? I, 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 okay, first you're thinking off, of his clone. It's Timothy Oliphant. Yes, he is his clone. <laughs> Thank you for saying <laughs> that. Yes, you're Pump correct. The Pump the brakes. I'm that's sorry. My, that's, I'm that's my two man crush. Okay. I'm Let's sorry. Calm down. Josh Duhamel, Timothy Alphonse can get confused at times. Hey. Listen, I've had Tito's and Jameson. That's fine. It's going to yeah. be a little confused at times. The, the I think their biggest shot of like, like talked about big movie crazy like crazy numbers is um, uh, they currently have in production Reborn with uh, Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. and it's her box uh, did massive numbers. Yeah, huge. Yeah, Sandra Bullock's got that kind of built-in audience. Absolutely. Female Tom Hanks throwing it out there. She is the female Hanks. She's great. No, she's the I best. Know. While you were sleeping, seen it a hundred times. Uh, Ocean, Ocean's Eleven, seen it a million times. She's not in Ocean's Eleven. She's in show. Ocean's Eight, which is also highly. Oh, Ocean's Eight, Ocean eight. Yeah. Ocean's Eight did very well at the box office, but I think still very highly underrated movie. Oh, it's very not good. I don't like it. I think it's it. It's very okay, but as someone who absolutely adores the Ocean's movies, it doesn't have the same feel. First off, I really wanted. If you the same if feel. you ever want to compare bad Ocean's movies. Watch the 1960s version with Frank Sinatra. That is fucking hot garbage. <laughs> I need to watch I that one. Loves Frank. No, you will not get ten minutes through that movie before you're like burned. It's my not eyes so bad. Out. It's good. It's just so bad. It's bad. It's oh, it's it's not. Yeah, it's like bad. It's like fuck this shit. It's so bad. <laughs> and it has the whole Rat Pack in it, and you're like, it has to be somewhat good. But yeah, let me let me just really quickly just just go over uh, the description for Reborn. Um, it's yeah, so it's uh, Mar- Mark Millar and uh, Greg Capullo is the artist. Mm-hmm. Is phenomenal artist. He yeah, has a historic run on Batman. Yes, with uh, with, uh, with Scott Snyder, but he was a longtime Spawn artist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Re- Reborn is basically like this like like otherworldly tale uh this like old woman um she dies and when she dies she wakes up and she's in like this fantasy world it's like I mean, lord of the sold. rings 
Yeah, but like that's it's like it's you, the the concept in the comic of the afterlife is when you die, you basically get transported to this world and you become something else. And she's trying to be reunited with her family, but it's like a quest to do it. It's pretty awesome. It's 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 it's, it's almost an undersell of the book, and it's only like a four or six issues. Um, I think something like that could be the thing that gets people to get Netflix because that's a, you know that's an issue apparently. Uh, I, I don't know how these guys continue to just throw money and buy these companies and buy these people. Um, it makes zero sense. I don't know how they're making money still. Who doesn't have a Netflix account or who isn't stealing it from their mom at this point? Like I don't I don't know how are they staying financially relevant, Bill? Tell me this. <sighs> well, I know it's they good. took I mean last or a year or two ago they took out like they take out crazy loans, but I mean like they also like they make bank. I mean like the, they're talking about streams and I mean when we talked about Hamilton or maybe I didn't talk about it. Oh I don't know if I mentioned this on this pod or the, the T V break pod. But listen, Hamilton got like a 70% resub for Disney Plus and they had like 26 20 plus million people. So for Netflix, I mean like if you're, you know, you know, dipping on it for a hot second, you're going to come back for something like this. And I think to me, you you put the cachet of Russo brothers, uh. Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling and you put them together, this is a home run. Now, the $200 million budget here is like if you're going to do more than one movie. Because to me, I look at these two guys, I'm like, why the fuck do you need to spend $200 million on this? Because to me, I'm like, that's that's like crazy trying to make that money back. And I know mm. you're trying to make, as the article stated, a James Bond type film. But James Bond movies aren't spending $200 million to be made. So like – I hope this budget is for like a franchise and not for one film because I feel like that's just like filling out a lot of uh, salary that Chris Evans and or Ryan Gosling, you know, they're six generations from now never has to work, you know. Bill, Bill, can I call you on your shit? Oh, I mean. Past the couple podcast. Bond movies were at least two hundred million. Yeah, okay, I was gonna well, say it. Okay. I was yep. up the, the budget. So Quantum, Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die are all anywhere from two hundred to two fifty. So well, that's the, you I, know what, and that's and that's one big star, and then they'll get like a big supporting you know star. Yeah. You know, Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I gonna hate say, to be the well actually no, 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 guy. No, no, no. Listen, well, if there's anything Bill Bodkin's going to ever admit to, it's being wrong. And so, because <laughs> I'm wrong all the time. And no, I'm glad you pointed that out because, like, from the every person who was a singer, I was like, there's no way a Bond movie costs more than $200 million. And like you said, you just pointed out nearly every movie in the Daniel Craig era. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, Casino Royale was 150, so not far behind. Yeah, so you know, I and it's still part of me is like, why the fuck was that so much? But um, you know, hey man, if you're gonna do that and you got two big bona fide stars, because I mean, outside of Daniel Craig, before he was Bond, I mean, there was no other bona fide stars outside of him. So you know, you're putting Evans and Gosling, two bona fide Hollywood stars. 
be putting them in a movie. We don't know who the other cast is on The Gray Man. So, yeah, it's a good, good call. And hey, man, you can call me out on being wrong because, hey, listen, I have I have a zero ego. <laughs> so, I mean, call me I, out. I, I honestly think because of the massive size of, of Netflix, like their actual audience size, right? Their business model is now just, we're going to get star power first and then fill in the blanks. It's, yeah. All right. It's a, it's a Chris, it's like the Chris Evans. Yeah. It's a Question Chris Evans, profit. Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling spy movie directed by the Russo brothers. You're seeing it. You're watching it anyway. They don't have to go further than that. And I think that's like the way that you view Netflix is you're scrolling until you see something interesting, right? So you're going to see those two guys on a poster with guns pointed at each other. You're like, fuck it. I got to see this. Or you're going to see the two second clip of the action scene where they're chasing each other. You're in. It's it's over. When you see Charlize Theron holding some like cool mythical like like axe thing on a poster, you're like, well, I guess I got to check that out because I love Fury Road and I think I'll like this. So <laughs> yeah, don't read our they, don't read our view on the site because they pretty yeah. much took a shit on it. Yeah, like they have they have nailed it in terms of that. They so have. It's, it's about drawing people in and keeping their attention span going, right? And it's so weird that we live in a time period, and this happens to me, I don't know about you guys, this happens all the time for me, where I go on five different streaming services and don't find anything, and then I have to go back, and I have to go back to the first one again and say, sure. all right, well, maybe I'll just watch this instead. No, like it's, you, are it's, the, you, are the, you are the picture, and it's not just you. You are yeah. the crystallization of the, the person who'd be like, uh, I don't know, I'll watch The Office again. Yeah. But it's not the office, it's something else. But it's 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 parks and rec or it's something else. But yeah. Or or I I am not gonna spoil it for for my for my watch list pick because it's gonna come out of left field, I'm telling you right now. Um it's on mine. Uh, no, actually mine's super random. Um but yeah, speaking of that segue, we're we're not gonna go into music of time of quarantine first. We're gonna go to watch list first because you know, you mentioned it. We're talking Netflix, we're talking streaming. Uh, so let's talk about the watch list, which is our segment about um, stuff we're binging or stuff we think people should binge during this time. I am actually going to start it off because I have a super random movie for everyone to watch because I haven't really watched too many shows outside of HBO's Perry Mason, which if you haven't watched <laughs> it, super good. Um, I just want to uh, look on my phone to see when this film came out and that's and that's going to be the man from uncle directed by guy Ritchie. oh wow this great, film great wow. i forgot this you. happened so this is starring i like to build a computer henry cavill <laughs> just, and just please amazing. someone outside of um, call me by your name. Give me a movie where I can have relevance. Army Hammer. Oh, that was that was rough. Social Network. Social Network. He crushes yeah, it. Way after. Way after yeah. all, like the yeah, Lone that was Ranger, ten years which, ago. Which, by the way, the Lone Ranger isn't terrible if you watch it. But I we, feel like it is. It's not it. like okay. So let me defend the Lone Ranger for a hot second. Oh, it's no. not great, but it's also not like what people said was like. The biggest piece of garbage on the face of the planet. It has many enjoyable moments. The Man from Uncle 
Guy Ritchie, one of my favorite directors. I have not seen Aladdin yet, by the way. Um, it wasn't bad. No, 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 no. I, I will like- watch it. I'll watch it. King ah. Arthur, by the way, that King Arthur movie, half of that movie was really good because it was medieval snatch. And then it went to a whole nother level. And I'm like, uh, this is shit. 2015, The Man from Uncle, Guy Ritchie directing, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, Alicia Vikander, Elizabeth Debicki, Jared Harris, Hugh Grant. It is the epit- the definition of a super fun movie. Henry Cavill is just crazy fun and arrogant and sarcastic in this film. Because this was like one of his first movies post-Superman. And it is not like the Henry... Like, if you loved Henry Cavill and Mission Impossible, which, by the way, that Mission Impossible film, which was what called Fallout... That's Fallout. Fallout and Rogue Nation. Oh, so good. Um, I mean, if you have not seen those, the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossible films are excellent. I love them. I gotta watch those because I loved, I know it's not Christopher McQuarrie, but I loved Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I was was going to say, don't shit. I was going to say, don't don't shit on Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Incredible. Wait, that's not McQuarrie? No. It's Brad Bird? That's Bird. Oh, Ghost, yeah, that one is great. I love Brad, that one. Brad Bird is the uh, Alfonso Curion of the Mission Impossible universe. Quora, by the way. Um, yeah, because you Impossible understand one, that reference, I love you. Yeah. Uh, ask him. Yeah, but yeah. Was, fuck, fuck yes, it is. Fuck yes, it's great. Okay. I Listen, love. I love that one. I love no, no, it. No, no, no. I will say that the book is better than the movie. Ask man, but he does change the tone and makes the Harry Potter franchise better because of it. I on board, he does, he does. The the Columbus films are too campy, they're too campy. I'm weird because I think that Phoenix is the worst book and the best movie. Oh, I'm weird, I'm real weird. Oh my god, you actually might, you might be right. I, I it's a great movie. It's it is a great awesome. Movie. The way it they is. condensed it. I never finished so the, necessary. The book is too long. I couldn't finish it. I never it's forget too, being there at midnight at Barnes and Noble selling that book, and then Saturday night working at Barnes and Noble, and a kid coming to me and saying, "When's the next one coming out?" I'm like, "The new one was just released. I finished it," and I'm just like, "Good, good, good. waited two years. Bro, it's like 800 pages, dude. dude yeah, I, I couldn't finish. It. I couldn't finish it. I was in sixth grade." Uh, all of you, I was like nineteen. Gotta make you feel. Gotta make you feel old. At Every podcast, everyone makes me feel old. Um, the benefit of actually being at my parents' house right now is I have the original edition of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. There it is. Yep, I that, remember that no one book. Can I remember. This is an audio podcast. Oh no, that's not your. No, I was there for Goblet of Fire. Wow, even I have worse. that too. But I already that's went the and green got the cover. Down yes, I do so, remember selling uh, the one you're talking. about. Yes, totally. um, but going off seven tangents, uh, Bill, <laughs> why should people check out The Man from Uncle? And man from Lord. Uncle is just like, man, if you're just looking for a less than two, or like a two plus hour, like throwback to like breezy 60s spy movie, this movie is for you. It came out late August 2015. We reviewed it on the site. I'll link into the podcast. Probably won't. Uh, description, I should say. <laughs> because I always forget the link shit, is it's very fun. It's just, and that's the, the only word, because, like, it 
tanked at the box office. But the thing is, when you watch this film, you're like, it was just released at the wrong time. It was, it was like, just like cast off. It was just like, fuck it. We'll just throw this movie off in August. It's a very fun, breezy film to go through. And if you like James Bond films, definitely check this out. It's so good. Cavill and Hammer have this crazy chemistry. And like I said, Cavill is really the the straw that stirs the drink on this film. He is so good because you're just because the first time I was introduced to him, like many people, was Superman. He's very serious and very dour. And then you see this and you're like, He's kind of a dick in this film, but he's kind of also James... Oh, well, yeah, he's James Bond, so he's obviously a dick. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just fills that role, and you're like, fuck. There's one scene where he's just, like, where Army Hammer's character is getting, like, shot at, and stuff's being thrown at him, and stuff's exploding. He's just, like, kind of, like... I don't... I'm probably describing the scene wrong, but he's, like, kind of listening to music and eating a sandwich, and he's like, nah, fuck it. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, perfect. This is great. It is a very good film. Just, like I said, a breezy, fun film. Go watch Man from Uncle. I'm that sure it's fun. available. Sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Two, two, Nick, you two, things, this. two things I need to add. One, the supporting cast of that, uh, that movie is amazing. Uh, Alicia Vikander, yes. who ended Which up playing Which I, by the way, Raider. named all the supporting cast. You did. But I, I just wanted to say. Jared Harris, Vikander, if you're a Madman fan. Is it is it Debicki? How do you say her name? Elizabeth Debicki. Because she, because like, I think this was the first time I saw her. And then after that, I just saw her in everything. Like she like really blew up. Yeah, and she I don't did. Think because of this role. And Vikander too, kind of. Like she like. Yeah, because she, she got the Tomb Raider gig. I think we also well, no, underestimated. I mean, she had like, like Danish girl. She had a lot of other shit too. I'm yeah. sure there was word of mouth. You know, I'm sure there's word of mouth on these sets. Or like between directors and producers, I'm sure someone probably said she was a delight to work with and she yeah. did really well. And maybe other producers heard about that and they're like, oh, we should work with her. So. And this and film has such good word of mouth. There's still the rumor that there may be a sequel uh, one day. It was, and it by was the way, this is based on a television series. Yeah, an old series. An old series. So yeah. with Robert Vaughn and somebody else uh, whose name I can't – I know it's the guy who played uh, – if anyone's ever watched like – CSI, like plays, uh, he's a character on there. Um, Debicki, to take it back to Mission Impossible, she's the villain in Fallout, isn't she? She's one of the villains in Fallout, and I think she's coming back in the new one. Maybe. I can double check that, and I'll do my research. It's Robert Vaughn and David McCallum. David McCallum was also. Who am I thinking of then? I don't know. No, she's not. She's in Tenet. She was. Oh, yes. You're right. She's in Tenet, and she was in the, the 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 Cloverfield Paradox too. Yeah, you're thinking of Rebecca Ferguson, who's also in Doctor. No, I'm not, I am not thinking of Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> you're at a, you're at a line for even suggesting that. This is why we have the internet. Uh, yeah. Well, Dave McCallum, David Callum, who it was also in uh, Man from Uncle, the uh, series was in uh, uh, NCIS, the original series. All right. So, here's yeah. here's who I was thinking of. Just so it's gonna irritate me. My, my girl Vanessa Kirby, who's in, uh, who's in uh, what's it called Hobbs and Shaw. See, Bill, I'm 30 years old, so I've never watched NCIS. Yeah, I mean, when you have old ass parents, this is what they watch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the I other thing I was going to say really quickly, Bill, about this pick is like this. What this came out at? You said the wrong time. You know where it should have came out on Netflix. Like this is oh. perfect. 
it would for have a rushed. It would have done Netflix. so well because because it would have been like Cavill post Witcher, like at oh. the height of Cavill, like right now where we are currently, where he can build a computer hammer, and the internet hammer, goes insane. Yeah, hammer post. Yeah. Call me by your name. Yeah, like Becky, the Becky, you know, after all the shit she's done, uh, and Alicia Vikander post Oscar would have been amazing. I I don't know if you would have got that cast again, but uh, yeah, would have been great. Would have been a great Netflix film. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Nick, uh, for the watch list, what is your pick? So I was. I'll, I'll, you know, since this is my first time on the show, I will mention two things. I'll mention what I was going to talk about at length. I'll keep it short. And then I'll mention what came up recently that I decided to make the focus of my choice here. So what I was going to come into this with was a a really excellent sitcom, a Canadian sitcom called Kim's Convenience. It's, uh, you can watch the first, I believe, three seasons on Netflix. I've Um, never heard of this show. It, it's phenomenal. It's all about a Korean-Canadian family in, I don't remember, it's Toronto. It's one of the major provinces of Canada, uh, running a convenience store, of course. The father and mother are, I believe, first generation in Canada, and the daughter and son are on wildly different itineraries. Um, the daughter's in college. The son was troubled and dropped out of high school, and now he's trying to make a, you know, redeem himself, uh, working at, like, a car rental shop. And... It is just such an easy watch. Uh, the cast is fantastic. They address some very legitimate issues without hitting you over the head with it, without making it feel like it's a very special episode. They just confront the reality of you know Korean Canadians in Canada and what it's like not being you know like everyone else. And there's just all the romantic interplay that's a lot of fun. Uh, the script, the scripting is just very sharp. It's just an extremely charming show. It's a really easy watch. Um, so that was going to be my initial pick. Well, question before you go. Go ahead. Where can people find the show? The first three seasons are on Netflix. I think they have four seasons, but I think the fourth one's only available in Canada. I'm not 100% sure. But I do know for a fact that at least the first three seasons are on Netflix. Because I'm terrible at watching things, I still haven't finished the third season. Um, they've renewed it for two more, so it's going to have at least six seasons. Nice. So It's a popular show in Canada. Uh, but yeah, it's available on Netflix in the U.S. And so what my... Sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, what's the show you actually want to focus on? My actual recommendation this week is one that really crept up on me out of nowhere. Uh, My sister came and visited for a while. I'm actually staying with my parents at the moment. And we all decided one night to start watching a show called All American, which is a CW drama that does not look like a CW drama at all. It is gorgeously filmed. It's filmed in like proper film aspect ratio. You've got bars on the top and bottom of your screen. It's not a 1080p, you know, 16 by 9 production like most TV shows. Um, and it's about a incredibly talented high school football player from Crenshaw who basically gets the opportunity to transfer schools and go to Beverly Hills and uh, play under an elite coach played by Tay Diggs, who's excellent. Um, and he has to deal with his double life of 
getting acclimated to the the lifestyles of the rich and meeting all these new friends and but also trying to keep a foot in his community in Crenshaw and trying to help out with community improvement, keep an eye on his younger brother, keep an eye on his mom who's trying to, you know, pursue a degree after his father left when they were very when he was very young. Um, there are definitely some pitfalls of these kind of teen dramas, but it is elevated by the cast is incredible. The casting for this show is so freaking on point. Everyone plays their role really well. Um, they feel like they feel like lived in characters. And I've only watched the first season. There are two seasons out. They are renewed for a third. I don't yep. know when it's starting, but you just you just buy into these characters. They're all very charming. They all have complexities. They have different motivations. They face different challenges each episode. They ramp up the drama, but it's just extremely watchable. And I've heard that it's a show that did well on the CW, but did really well on streaming. I think people just kind of came around to the show and now it's, it's, it's kind of off and running. So yeah, Tay Diggs is the most well-known cast member. He's great as the coach, but um, Daniel Ezra is the lead. He plays the, the high school prodigy. It's very, very loosely inspired by the life of real football player, Spencer Pazinger. I don't know if that's how you say it who was on the Giants, Giants. the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Panthers. Um, I think he was on the, so, the Super Bowl uh, yeah. Giants teams. Yeah, he was very uh, good. I, I, I was a big fan of his. Yeah, so it's it's excellent. I wouldn't expect that I would get into a CW show. In fact, when I started watching it with my family, I didn't know it was a CW drama. Um I described it to someone as if One Tree Hill was a legitimately good TV show. <laughs> just fun to watch because it doesn't awesome. have a super villain like Dan Scott. It doesn't have that extra crazy jump into like, you know, you can't suspend your disbelief anymore because of how evil this guy is. There are, you know, people that are trying to do good and there are people that are jerks, but ultimately everyone has a chance at redemption and, it's it's a really really interesting show. I, I was not expecting to like it as much as I do. Did you watch uh, Friday Night Lights, the show? Not. I've seen like I one episode, but should. I was super <laughs> wasted when I watched it. And like I like some people have compared this show to Friday Night Lights, so I feel like people will kind of write it off as like, oh, it's a clone of that. But yeah, that's a really good sell of that show because it's like, and CW was a sneaky network. Like, they put on some good shit that people are just like, ah, whatever. But, yeah, they put on a lot of good shows. And that CW app is super free. So you can watch a lot of that stuff on there. Nice. We've been watching it on Netflix. I don't know if it's also it's probably also available on that CW app as well. Alphonse? I only call you so. Alphonse because that's a reference from Point Break. But like I know your name is Alf. <laughs> it goes over my head. Um, Wait, so have you, I want. Have you still not watched Point Break? Definitely not. Well, me neither. Thirty fifth anniversary is, or thirtieth anniversary is next year. So you guys should do a Point Break episode. Oh, we probably should. I have a whole thing in my head. That's thing. I want to. So I want to. I want to. I want to track down so many of the cast members. Um, so that you actually should and make it a podcast. I think I would actually make a. I, I think I can track down a lot of the cast members outside of Keanu Reeves. That would be great. Who and I, then you can get him. You get him. You get him for the finale later in the episode. You can get him for the finale. 
Um, I'll tell so my story about him later. My pick is super random, but I I kind of rediscover it. After I don't know, my man cousin. from Uncle and All American. We you know this episode we're going deep cut. I mean, I, I, it's still on the air, so it's pretty yeah, recent. Like it's I, not like what do you think of CW? You think like you know the Arrowverse type stuff? But you know, I, it was a great pick. Is what I'm saying. I will see your man from Uncle and All American and raise you Holy Moly to the sequel. Oh yes, guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there is a uh, a competition show uh, that airs on prime time. That is a mini golf tournament. Fuck, that's what uh, it is. I was executive, like, what is this shit? And I'm like, executive oh, that's produce, what it is. Executive produced by Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, uh, with, that's right. With, uh, with Rob Riggle and uh, Joe Tessitore as uh, the on-air commentators. Yep. It is, it's equal parts um, I'm competitive, like- competitive sports and uh, extreme elimination challenge. Um, it's fucking great. I want to like, sl- sl- I, like I'm so proud of you for this deep cut, but I also want to like punch you, yeah, for it. Mm-hmm. So good job. Nice. That's fun. I, I feel that. No, it's great. It's really it's fun. Mini golf. This yeah. looks cool and it's well reviewed too. People yes. like it. It's no, it's so good. And uh, I actually got a second I, season. And it's literally called Holy Moly Two: The Sequel. The sequel. Yeah, I love that, and it's it's great. It's it's super like ultimate elimination challenge like commentators making fun of everybody there's actual like physical things that they have to do in between the holes and things like that the courses are insane um and they have like these weird vignettes with like steph curry like literally this season i guess they couldn't get him a lot like on video so they did it all in animation of like him like talking about like why they picked the courses and things like that it's so stupid probably makes it even better i feel like it does it really does it's great uh, where does the show it air just, and when? Uh, it is on ABC, and I, I I watch it on Hulu. So I don't actually watch traditional television. I just watch it when it comes on to Hulu. So uh, it looks like it airs Thursdays at eight on ABC. I want to say on the podcast, yeah. this might be the first major network show we've recommended. It might be, mm-hmm. and. It, and I again, I watch it on Hulu, so I don't even consider it a major network show, but it 100% is. Oh, it totally it's, is. It is the very definition of like pure summer television. Like I remember, like summer TV was the worst. Like summer prime <laughs> television was oh, always bad. garbage. It was like it was like Summer Olympics and nothing else. Like, that was no- the peak of reality TV for a while before reality TV became like forever. I yeah. remember CBS rerunning Police Squad, which was the precursor to the Naked Gun movies on CBS in the summer. Yeah. And this is when all like they had the summer series they would call them. It's like yeah. all the shit that was piloted or had a couple episodes that was canceled early on. They would burn off all the episodes in the summer or they would have uh, like the summer movies. So it's like Mm -hmm. NBC used to do the summer of Star Wars. So every July it would be like for three weeks it would be like, you know, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, you know, on NBC on like Saturday nights because that's what it was. Or they would show sports, you know. Yeah, I remember when I like when I first became like an avid TV, TV watcher. If if I had a summer show, it was on 
like HBO or Showtime or like Cinemax or something like I'd watch that. Like if it was like uh, bored to death, I think was a summer show or and like hung. Like I remember watching those HBO shows in between like the big, big releases. I never watched primetime television. There was it was again what Nick said, like it was the precursor for the reality shows. And this is it's right up there. It's, you know, real life, real people, it's people from all over the world. It's super entertaining and and Riggle is at like peak oh, Riggleness. Like I he's, love him on Sundays for football. He is it's it's him like unleashed. It's great. It's, I gotta have to check this out. It's really, really fun. Class. Yeah. It's like what if Rob Riggle hosted Extreme Elimination Challenge? And that, that's it. Was, it. But it's mini golf, right? But it's but it's no but like it's, psycho mini golf. It's psycho mini because you have it's like that kind of like it's like they threw like ultimate ninja warrior into it where you have to like jump onto things and do things like that to oh get to the God. other side of the course. It's nuts. All right, example. Um, they, they had John. They had John Lovett's guest star. <laughs> Dre- wait, wait, wait. Dress- he sold. He's already sold. So I mean, Dress- like you don't have to say much more than a uh, John Lovett's was a guest star. Dressed as a pirate, and wait, wait. They had two golfers. They had to see if they can get close to the X, right? And whoever got the closest had John Lovitz chip it to the other side where the hole was. The other person, he had so he had one eye patch. Not, not (laughs) guys. I'm not done describing what happened. He had one eye patch for that shot, and then the other person who got like uh, who did worse. He had two eye patches. <laughs> Watch this show. What it's excellent. Oh, my God. It's great. So, Holy Moly 2, the sequel, ABC or Hulu. Watch it. It's great. By the way, Nick just sent us a, a, a photo in our group text of the, <laughs> the course, and it looks yeah. amazing. Oh, the course in season two? Like, shit's on that one, too. It's it's bananas. Oh, you, nice. you'll, yeah, you're gonna love it. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the watch list this week. It was a Real, weird watch list. It was. Real quick, like, before we before we go off the watch list, I do want to bring up a, a summer TV thing, which is that uh, my mom and I bonded over the Dallas reboot when that was on in the summers on TNT until they canceled it. Yeah, well, no, they I mean, had was, they had to because Larry Hagman passed away. Yes, yes, you're right. But I, no, but they they kept it going. They had three seasons. I think they kept it they one past. They had one season past his passing. Yes, because I remember then, they were flashbacks and stuff. They, I think on the CW, and I I could be wrong. They tried another series with Don Johnson. I think it was called oh. like Oil or something like that. It was God, right yeah, you're right. They did something with Don Johnson. I remember that. Yeah, I'm a big Don Johnson fan, by the way. Uh, great Watchmen if you haven't if you haven't seen it. Um, Nick, go watch Watchmen. It's amazing. Um, Watchmen show, yeah, I really I really need to. I know. Yeah, so terrible let's, with this let's stuff. Go I'm amazed I'm even on this podcast. Our next segment: music in a time of quarantine. The only segment that has its theme song sung on the podcast. So let's talk about like a single, an album, a, you know, whatever. That we're listening to during this time of quarantine, uh, Nick. I kind of almost know what you're going to go with, but I, I'm sure you're going to surprise me. What do you got? 
it depends on if you're just expecting me to to talk about something I always talk about or talk about something that I've very recently been into. Uh, uh, I'm going to expect a Devin Townsend pick is what I'm going to say. Nope, it's not. I mean, he is my favorite Fuck. musician, but uh, I have something more recent that I've gotten into. Let's do so it. So there's this really fun, silly, but also really tight band from the UK called Don Broco. That's spelled B-R-O-C-O. I should have and known this because you have I've talked about, about them. You have yes. talked about this on social media so much. Yeah. I should have known. So Don Broco makes incredibly catchy rock music. So their songs have big guitars and heavy riffs, but they also have, you know, some cowbell, some dance beats, some pop hooks. They're really fun. It's nothing too serious. They have a few songs that have, you know, some more sincere emotions in them, but some of them are really silly as well. Um, I don't love their first album, which came out in 2012. It's a little generic. Uh, their second album, if you're one of these uh, 80s throwback lovers, you would love this second album. It's called Automatic. The album cover has them in white suits in front of a pool with a neon sign with the album title on it. I feel um, like if Pop Break had an album with the editorial yeah. staff, it would be that <laughs> And it's their latest album, which came out in 2018, is called Technology. I think the material on technology, if you just listen to tracks one through nine, it's one of those albums where it is so front-loaded. Every single, I think they released six or seven singles off this album, they're all from the first half of the album. That goes wow. to tell you. The remaining songs are kind of weak, but if you listen to tracks one through nine off of the album Technology, this stuff is infuriatingly catchy to the point where when I gave them a chance... I wasn't even sure if I liked them that much. And then what do you know? A song got in my head. And then I went back to it. And I kept listening to it. And then I let YouTube keep or Spotify keep playing. And then another song came on. And I'm like, oh, I actually really like this one too. Wow, that's a really well-written song. It's really catchy. And then before I know it, I listened to them so much over the past few weeks. Just those two albums. Uh, it's just really fun, catchy, punchy riffs. They're one of those bands where I watch some of the live videos. Not only are bands, not only are fans singing along with the lyrics, they're singing along with the riffs because the riffs are so streamlined and catchy that people just bouncing up and down, singing along to these riffs. It's it's such fun music. It's something I've really needed in this time. I think it's it's something that everyone needs in this time is more fun music. I guess so I gotta- Don Broco. Is, which is B-R-O-C-O. O-C-O. They were going to be called Don Loco, and then the guitarist Damn. busted his arm playing football, and so they called it Don Broco instead. So what was the inspiration for you to check these guys out? Um, so it's interesting. I had actually heard about them a while ago when uh, a friend of mine drove us to, to go to like a, a board game night. This is obviously well before covid uh, and he put them on, and I remember it being cool. But I, I, and I saved technology to my phone, but I never went back to it. And then one of my favorite bands, as you guys know, Enter Shikari. Yes, which you have did a, written about beautifully. Thank you. Did a live stream as part of this Five for Five fest. Mm-hmm. So it was a virtual fest. And the other headliner, because these were all you know primarily British bands or bands popular in the UK, the other headliner was Don Broco. 
and Rao, the front man for Enter Shikari, played trumpet with them on one of the songs they played. As he would. On the stream. And that got into my feed. And it made me realize, I'm like, you know, I should, I should probably go back and actually listen to Don Broco. And then I did. And I was like, I was I was a little iffy about them. And then before I knew it, I was insanely hooked. They're they're that kind of band. They're they're a rock band with a pop mentality. They have insidious hooks. Al, I'm gonna pitch it to you while I take a step away from the podcast for two minutes. Al, you're muted. So this week's pick for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. So yeah, this week's pick for me. I uh, forgot about this album coming out. I was super excited uh, that I was notified in some way. But uh, the Aces, I don't know if you ever heard of them, Nick. I feel like you would dig them. Now. I have, and I've seen ads for them on social yeah. media. Never went further than checking out the ads, but I remember really liking it. Yes. I never actually so sat and listened to an the, album. The new, uh, their, their sophomore uh, album just dropped on uh, last Friday called Under My Influence. Uh, these It's a four-piece uh, four all-girl band from Utah, who fucking rock. I actually got to see them a few years back at the Radio 104.5 uh, 2018 birthday show, and they played, like, the smaller, like, uh, like up-and-coming artist stage, and they were just like, wow, you're better than most of the artists playing the main stage. Uh, like, that kind of, like, just, like, blown away instantaneously. Mm-hmm. They are so cool, and the indie pop uh, band, so it's just, like, right right what you were kind of saying just like feel good escapism kind of music like i i don't want to feel any more sad than i already do <laughs> exactly. and like they're they just are so much fun and so energetic and you know obviously they deal with what any other musician deals with like with different like you know emotions and stuff and breakups and things like that but Otherwise, it's just super upbeat. And, like, I've been talking about a lot of female artists the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Dua Leap is the Lady Gaga. Uh, they both released some great albums recently. Going right up there with, with the Aces under my influence. Bill, I know you missed it. I picked uh, the sophomore album from the Aces under my influence. And it is saved to my library now. I will have right. to listen to it soon. Yeah. A very good and I also... Oh, so good. I, so good. Nick, I... I I highly recommend you listen to the first album yeah, first. When, when first? first okay. Like, All right. Yeah. You got it. Very, very good. So, you know, like, if people know me, they'll be like, oh, Bill, you're going to recommend that Metallica single that's come off S&M 2. That's not going to be it. Because I'm really not stoked on Metallica, you know, putting out singles that are just, like, slow-plotting snm songs like i saw snm2 in theaters it was not very good i'm sorry i, mean, I said my piece it's okay all right i'm totally fine with that it's just like they put in a very slow song i almost picked a bush song because they put dropped a new record and the title track from that was pretty decent but i'm gonna go back to a song that was dropped uh may 22nd 2020 uh it's the band's called the band is called we are scientists and mm. the song is called i cut my own hair and it is just, we are scientists. I'm going to call out a good friend of mine who, congratulations on the new baby on the way, my friend Nikki Picoro, who I used to work with. She worked at um, G-Rock Radio uh, for a long time, which was the, uh, not the predecessor, but just like the heir apparent after um, FM 106.3 in Eaton Town, which was a crazy 
influential alternative uh, radio station that Matt Pinfield was on. Um, we are scientists, but on a new record, like they were a part of that um, scene in the mid two thousands. I remember they played some stuff in Asbury. I cut my own hair is just like this song that has just stuck with me throughout the entire song, the entire I'm sorry, the entire song, the entire summer. A great like just fun big anthem type song from a band I think a lot of people don't really remember or give a lot of love to. We are scientists have a great rock and pop sensibility to them and uh, go check them out they're such a fun band and this song I cut my hair is just just a as Al as we said a multiple multitude of episodes ago a banger and a bop and uh, and it's we did that with our, our buddy Ben Murchison I'm uh, so bummed I forgot to say that because Don Broco makes bangers and bops all day every day spoiler alert Nick you just said it, and we're keeping it in. Um, so, no, We Are Scientists. I cut my own hair. Such a fun, big, uh, big rock song. Love it. It, it. it. It's just like, it's just a damn good song. It's not too heavy. It's not too pop. Just hits the, it just hits the sweet spot. I'm very happy that this song exists. And We Are Scientists, a great band. Super nice to us. We've interviewed them. Check out our third, unofficial third house host, Kat Manos' interview with them on poprick.com. Awesome. So We Are Scientists is a band that I, I've heard about and I've heard the name, but I don't think I've ever listened to. Yeah, they are literally one of, they are one of those bands. Like you've heard the name, you sort of know who they are, but you've probably never heard a song by them. Really great. Um, their big song, if you especially if you're going by Spotify numbers, is Nobody Move and Nobody Get Hurt, The Great Escape, After Hours. Um, Buckle is another one by them. Yeah, definitely check. Probably them. heard at least one of those. Yeah, you Just don't know it. If you were an alternative fan from the mid two thousands and you were listening to terrestrial radio, you definitely heard "We Are Scientists." You definitely heard "Nobody Move, Nobody Get Hurt." Um, I feel like they've evolved a little bit since then, and um, this is just a dope song to check out. Yeah, I use the word "dope." I apologize, but also don't apologize. Um. We are now moving into the final segment of the pod, which is a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope! Oh boy, oh boy. A glimmer of hope again, once again, Mr. Al Manorino picked out. Uh, We found this article on Collider. I would be remiss, we uh, talked about the previous, uh, with a a slice of fried gold, we talked about NME. Uh, Q Magazine, which is another British uh, music publication, announced today that they will be uh, closing up shops soon. Oh wow! And as music, as a music journalist, uh, and someone who worked in the bookstore selling Q Magazine, it's. Um, I think we need to take a moment. It's it's super sad to see music, print music publications go out of business. I remember Maxim Blender. While I might not agree with the tenets of Maxim. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Max and Blender was a super fun uh, music publication. Yep. And uh, just to see another print music publication go out of business, especially something with uh, the lineage that Q had, it's pretty sad. And um, I mean, I, I know a lot of us aren't going out and buying print stuff anymore. We're literally a podcast talking about music. We're literally a digital publication writing about pop culture. And, mm-hmm. um, 
our heart and our roots start in print. And it is sad to see Q uh, closing up shops. So if you've never checked out Q Magazine before, go online, find them. If you if you are out and you see a Q Magazine, don't hesitate to pick them up. They're very excellent music publication. So just wanted to put that out there. Uh, I know it's a little bit uh, of a tangent from what we're talking about, but I figured it was a nice place to put them in. So Collider, which is another great online publication, uh, posted a piece about a comic book called Berserker. And you're like, okay, who cares about a comic book? Well, maybe you should if you're not a comic book fan or if you are a comic book fan because Boom Studios is putting out this comic book and it is uh, written and basically starring um, one of the greatest men to ever live, Mr. Keanu Reeves. And this is a great time to tell you my story because you know I was a comic book <laughs> fan back in the early '90s. I collected comic books, comic book cards, collected comic books. Fell off after a while, but I met Keanu Reeves on our first ever Pop Break movie screening for the uh, film through Magnolia Pictures, which uh, our friend Kelly McGovern talked about uh, a few episodes ago, uh, called "I Melt with You," which was starring Jeremy mm-hmm. Piven and Thomas Jane, and Rob Lowe. Not a great film, but when I walked out of the screening, I saw a guy holding a bag, and I'm like, I know that guy. So I said, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. It's right around Times Square. I yelled, hey, dude. Turned around, and who is it? Keanu Reeves. Emilio Estevez. No. Emilio! Keanu Reeves and I said hey and I so I told him the whole story how Pop Break's named after the film Point Break if you didn't know that now you do and he looked at me dead in the eyes and he goes awesome just like he was at a Bill and Ted just like a regular human being we had a conversation one of the nicest dudes you ever want to talk to and then like a hundred people then like all of a sudden people swarming from every side of the time of Times Square Coming in, he looked at me, he's like, dude, I gotta go. And I said, yeah, you do. I said, get out of here, man. He's like, good talking to you. I said, great talking to you. We shook hands, we parted ways. Keanu Reeves. What a guy. Nicest guy in the world. Oh. And uh, that's my story. But now he has a comic book that he's written. And basically, if you've seen, go to Collider, he has, it's basically, it's him. Yeah. Um. Surely John uh, Nick, Wick. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. It's, uh, it's Nick, uh, it's Al, a, it's take this over. You're the comic book guy. Yeah, it's it's a series called Berserker. It's gonna be a 12 issue limited series. It's actually, Bill co-written Bowles by that name, by the way. Yes, I love it. Um, it's a it's co-written by Keanu Reeves and uh, Matt Kent, who uh, he does uh, a series called uh, Folklore and another uh, was recently released called Bang, and he's done a million other things. He's a New York Times. Best-selling author, which we um, the definitely art is, reviewed folklore on the site before. Yes, and the the artist is uh, Alessandro Vitti, who is also doing one of the covers for issue one. Um, just uh, three different variant covers because it's the comic book industry, after all. Uh, but 
So it's uh, it's about a, a man known only as Berserker, who is a half-mortal and half-god, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. But after wandering the wor- world for centuries, Berserker may have finally found a refugee working for the U.S. government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless, blood-soaked existence and how to end it. So he wants to kill himself. Awesome. Uh, this series looks insane. The, the as artwork my daughter looks- would say. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Exactly. Yeah, the uh, the artwork looks fantastic. Uh, Vidi has, like, perfectly, like, like captured uh, uh, Keanu's essence. And uh, it looks super violent, too. So I'm pretty excited about that. The only thing that makes me, like, incredibly depressed is that this book is uh, scheduled to be in comic shops in, like, October. And I feel like if the world wasn't shit and everything was also going according to schedule, Kiana would have been at New York Comic Con. Oh, shut your fucking face, dude. And we actually have a good relationship with Boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm like, actually... And when when is New York Comic Con usually? It's the first week of October. Yeah, and that would have been doubly perfect for him because Cyberpunk's coming out in November. No. Exactly. So Didn't he would have had multiple until 2021. What? Uh, it Cyberpunk. still says PS4, Windows, Xbox One is November 2020. Oh, that got pushed. Never mind. Very true. Um, yeah. So that makes me a little upset, but I'm really excited for this. This this looks uh, like like a fun series. Boom uh, has a crazy, like insane. Uh, book right now that is like setting the, the comic book collecting industry which i am a big part of i'm sitting at a, a folding table right now that is literally surrounded by comic books because i buy sell and trade comics on the reg um they have a series right now called something is killing something is killing the children which was just optioned for a i believe a tv series or movie so that is uh, something to look out for is another boom studio production uh right this looks cool series on the did you guys write about it or no? You should. He was asking uh, you to. Oh, he's asked me to. I'm surprised he, I, he, uh, the first issue wasn't reviewed because it was uh, it was pretty high profile. Uh, the artwork's phenomenal too. Anyway, maybe I will, but probably not. Um, you all. Yeah, Berserker. Uh, this looks really fun. Uh, Nick, do you are you a, a regular, a regular comic reader? Is this something that you would pick up or at least maybe eventually get the trade of? I was a comic reader for a little while. I just fell out of it. Uh, nothing against comics, of course. The last comic I read, and I really only read a couple issues of it that I loved, was Saga. I oh, think Saga. I did the first amazing. part of Saga, and I loved it. I also Saga. read that that legendary um, Hawkeye run that everyone loves. Uh, uh, I don't so know how to pronounce. It's Matt Matt Fraction Matt and David, David uh, Asia. Uh-huh. Asia? Uh-huh. Asia. I don't know how to uh-huh. say it. I feel it's bad. AJ. I wish I knew how to say that. I but, know. But yeah, it's that a- that was phenomenal. But other than that, I really don't keep up with comics too much. Uh, I love I love the art, of course. I think a lot of like the keeping up with buying physical copies. I know, of course, you can you can have there are subscriptions and apps and stuff, but it's just not something that I really follow. Uh, looking at the the, I think it's either the cover or the preview image they posted it looks really cool. Boom is definitely a company after my heart. They do WWE comics. They do Power Rangers comics. I'm sure they do other properties that I'm interested in. So clearly a good company to be working with Keanu, our Lord and Savior, other than Batista. 
God bless. Big Dave. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bill, uh, are you going to so break out of it's funny because comic book uh, retirement? Yeah, I actually Check might because like, I think this is a super smart move by Boom because it's like if you're looking for people to, you know, because Boom has their people they're going to buy like what it, or look at whatever titles they have out. But Keanu Reeves, I mean, he has his own he has a massive swath of fans who would be like, I want to check out what his vision for a comic book would be, as well as him in a comic book. But remember, this isn't Keanu Reeves from 10 years ago. This is Keanu Reeves from, you know, where he was in that middle of Matrix John Wick fame. This is like him, you know, still in the John Wick world, where, and we now equate Keanu Reeves with Tom Hanks as like if there's two people like, when like people are talking about scandals and all the bad things in the world like listen if Keanu Reeves and Tom Hanks are, are mentioned any of this then we have no faith in the world the world's over because yeah. like you just see these two guys as two of like the best dudes ever and that this story I just relayed to you guys a, a few minutes ago was just like it's a guy who was walking in front of me who just walked out on the street, got in a cab, and walked away. But yeah, he turned around, and he had a nice conversation with me, uh, you know, a nobody in his eyes. Um, he's always been considered as a great dude. And, like, to see him in this comic, I would love to see what he does when he's given creative control over something. So I'm very intrigued by that. And that's going to get a lot of crossover audience that you know something like we've covered a lot of boom comics on the site that they wouldn't get so this is a super smart move and i'm really interested Mm -hmm. to see this is like when kevin smith does a comic but a little more mainstream because even kevin smith is he's a little niche yeah you know so so it's like you know keanu's a little more as a i'm gonna say a little more he's a lot more mainstream than people so for people who are maybe lapsed lapsed comic fans like myself we might want to check this out as opposed to you know any other celebrity that's out there so i'm definitely going to check berserker one out i'm i'm waiting for the uh, the inevitable uh movie yes. tv show yeah, announcement absolutely. right like there's they they know <laughs> an I mean, that's been announced for netflix by the way for this yes there you go so that's it like so like they We've gotten to the point, and I already mentioned Mark Millar uh, earlier in the podcast. He, like right around Kick-Ass and even probably before that, he got to a point where he would sell the, the movie oh, TV sorry, rights. Oh, Cyberpunk 2020. Oh, okay, 2077, not, yeah. not Berserker. But but Millar would sell the movie TV rights before the, the first issue like dropped. Like it, it's, you know, the comic book industry has become the, you know, where the, it's the well for where all of these things obviously end up the old guard was a an image comic series uh written by greg rucka like you know yep they're not really promoting that heavily outside of uh, the greg rucka name but like that's where everyone's getting all their information from anyway and i i could see this being a movie in like five years not even mm-hmm. i'd say two give me give me three years if the, the world is back to normal in like a year uh, but yeah, it looks awesome. I'm, I'm totally in. Let's 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 go. Give me more Keanu Reeves in any format. Uh, I'm in. Like how Al, I just went on Twitter for a second, and Al's already posting gifts starting this podcast. 
<laughs> I, I I have prob I probably have ADD. I just I mean just yeah. probably is an understatement. But you know Prob- <laughs> these are things we, we accept We're not doctors everyone here. on this podcast. Yeah, that was this this week for the socially distance. Nick, uh where can people find you on social media slash you know, I don't know if you're open to it. But I always recommend people uh, reach out to you for your graphic design expertise because you did such a great uh, job redesigning the site. Uh, I've seen your other works; it's absolutely phenomenal. You went to school. <laughs> you went to school for this. You're a great artist. Uh, so where can people check you out? Well, thank you for the kind words. Oh. Uh, I am on Twitter mm-hmm. at Nick underscore Porcaro, where. I do a lot of retweeting. I do some quote tweets. I rarely write something without a, some kind of prompt. It's You're going to see some pop culture, some wrestling, some music takes, uh, you know, just some, some general bullshit. Uh, Instagram, uh, which I've gotten a lot more into since the quarantine started, uh, at Nick Porcaro with two extra O's at the end. So Nick Porcaro. Um, I have posted probably two dozen if not more guitar videos where i just i'll i'll either play something original or usually i'm learning a riff part of a song and i'll I'll post that just to share something that i like you know with my friends um and whoever else stumbles upon my uh instagram but i've been getting a lot more elaborate with them lately i've been trying to find uh Due to Rock Band and other games, there are a lot of stems floating around on the internet for songs. So you can take the bass and drums of a song, and I, you know, I'll like record a guitar part over it, and I'll post that. So I did recently. I did Lamb of God. I did a Don Broco song, and I actually just posted yesterday uh, a video playing and uh, some Attack Attack riffs, really low, down tuned, heavy breakdowns. I got my crab core stance on. I'm wearing pink shorts. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to see that gorgeousness, uh, Nick Picaro with three, zero, three O's. Ah, uh, salmon. They're salmon. They have lobsters on them, too. They have oh, little like a- mini lobsters. Izod, man. Izod's where it's at for the stretchy shorts. I was going to say. That look like really nice shorts, but are actually very comfortable. I was going to say Brooks Brothers, but, you know, hey, man, Izod. No, a lot cheaper. Quality's still pretty good. And at Tack um, Attack, you're going like uh, you're going like uh, early aughts uh, warp tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, as far as design, uh, I do have a website, nickpercaro.com. It has not been updated in a very long time. It doesn't have any of the work I've been doing over the past number of years. But if you know you see what I talk about on the web or if you see anything on my old site that you like or if you take you know take bill's recommendation my email uh, for for freelance design is nick at nickpercaro.com love to at least hear what you what you have uh i like to work when i'm doing freelance it's you know i've got i've got a day job doing uh, art direction for social media and like uh streaming clients and stuff so when i do take freelance work i like to take music i like to take art you know fun creative projects people with low or no budgets i don't really care uh pay me what you think is fair if if you are a struggling up-and-coming artist i'm not going to try to gouge you if you're running a big business that's a different story but yeah that's what i'm up to yeah nick's only had stuff uh that he has uh, designed in times square so you know 
he's just like he's done a couple things here and there. But and and I will not put him. I cannot put him over enough. He's a great artist and he's a fantastic writer. And we have been blessed to have him for as many years as we have. So if you've ever listened to the the ASAP Ferg song "Let It Go," uh, rest in peace to ASAP Yams. He starts the song by saying, "You know, I had to hand glide in on this one," and that's kind of what I do with the pop break. Every so often, something comes up that I want to write about or that I get a chance to write about, and then I go hibernate for a while until my next article throw the two sweet up there you go exactly Oh right. life um alfred all right you can find me at al Matarino on instagram and twitter also on linkedin hire me i please do very fire al that would be uh, ideal uh but yeah i am uh I'm trying to post more. I again, I've been like so into comic collecting that I have, I haven't really been uh, posting a lot. I've been trying to post the stuff that I've been like adding to my collection and and my other Instagram account. But as for my Al Matarino Instagram account, I haven't really broke out the new camera that I bought during quarantine, uh, which was a dumb purchase um, because there's nothing to take photos of right now outside of my adorable son. Uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, Twitter, Twitter. Posting gifts during the podcast, dude. You could become an influencer, like like a parent influencer. Come on. No, but that involves me being a. Good have to parent. exploit your yeah, child. I know. I feel the same way. It's like, yeah, but I have to be a good parent. Uh, I I agree with that. And not drunk at eleven forty on a Monday night. Um, <laughs> for me, you know, listen. If if uh, if you want to hear me pissing off Impact Wrestling stands. Or just like, yeah. Or if you want me to, uh, you know, any of the other wrestling stuff I had to do, I'm at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Yes, I, on Saturday night, I bought an Impact Wrestling pay-per-view and said, it was not worth the 40 bucks. I got suckered into this and, oof, oh, the stand. precisely why I did not give in. I, I was mean, curious too when I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, still better than most of the WWE pay-per-views I've seen this year, but... The Impact fans were none too happy with me. Uh, but most importantly, what I want you to do is check out thepopbreak.com. Every single day we post up a ton of content, whether it's about film, television, um, comic books, music, pro wrestling. We have it all there. We have a crazy amount of podcasts we're posting right now during the pandemic. Check out this podcast, the Socially Distance Podcast. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor. We also have Pop Break Talk. Uh, sorry, Pop Break t- Pop Break TV. Gosh, that took about four times for me to get out. Pop Break TV. That's also on the same channels I just mentioned, where we have a ton of podcasts out on there. Uh, and uh, finally, check out at popbreak.com on Twitter. Uh, forward slash uh, all spelled out forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on Facebook at the popbreak on Instagram. We are going to be starting our uh, photographer series again real soon. And uh, yeah, man, thank you so much uh, for checking us out. Of course, um, I'd be remiss without any of this podcast without saying that there are still a lot of great charities that you should be checking out the Black Lives Matter charities, Rain. If you're a wrestling fan, there was a big speaking out movement uh, last month. Definitely check out Rain R A I N N dot org. 
as well as a number of others. Go to our uh, go to our Twitter feed. Alicia Weinberger did a great job of uh, highlighting a lot of charities you should, you should be checking out for Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter. Uh, a lot of great stuff on there. So please check that out. I really encourage you to do that, especially if you've listened to the podcast this far out. So, yes, for our esteemed guest, Nick Picaro, for the reluctant co-host, Al Manorino, my name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you so much for checking out the Social Distance Podcast.